How many of you are uh, art lovers? You like good art? Anybody? Okay, a good number of us, right? I personally love uh, art, and part of that is just because I grew up with a family of a lot of artists. I mean, growing up as a kid, I remember my grandma, she would always have an easel set up, and she was always painting something, and her artwork was always on display at different galleries, and when I went away to college, I had four of my grandma's original canvases that I immediately put up in my dorm room, you know, and had a uh, cousin, Sudi, professional artist, and her stuff was turned into like curtains and pillows and uh, hotel lobby art, that kind of stuff. And uh, my sister's a professional artist and makes her living doing art. And uh, my own mom always has an easel set up and she's always working on some artistic creation. And my aunt Berta was a professional art. And it just goes on and on, right? So I really do, I love the arts. And, um, and, and I wonder, though, that even if you're not an a art aficionado, like there's probably a likelihood that there are a few paintings that you would be able to call to mind uh, even if I just said a few words to name that picture. Like, for example, Mona Lisa, right? And you didn't even have to try. It's just right there. Right? You just, and you didn't even need me to help you like that, right? Or... Uh, the scream, and you just see it in your mind like that. <laughs> you didn't need any help, right? Or starry, starry night, you know? It's another one. So there's these different pieces of art that have made such an impression uh, because they seem to convey something and evoke something at a much deeper level that even goes beyond words. And in a way, uh, there can sometimes be a way that that, that reflects the fact that we are made in the image of God, and because we're made in the image of God, the ultimate creator, creativity easily becomes a way in which an expression can come our way through which we can receive something that does, that does go beyond words. So um, Vincent van Gogh painted that painting, Starry, Starry Night, and what a lot of people don't know about Vincent van Gogh is that he was a person who was passionate about God. He had a, a very real passion for God and for the gospel. <laughs> he, he was a, a, a guy who grew up with his dad being a pastor. His grandfather was a pastor. He even spent time in his young adult years as a missionary to the coal miners in Belgium. And he really had a passion for God. I'm not saying he was the poster child for Christianity or anything. I mean, he had a whole bunch of struggles too, but he had a real passion for God. And so as an artist, uh, he desired to express that passion for God in lots of ways. And in all of his art, a lot of his art, you see a lot of uh, symbolism that's expressing like the sense of God's presence. And in particular, and I was reading about this in uh, Sky Jitani's book called The Divine Commodity, but uh, talking about the art of Van Gogh and that he always wanted to infuse a sense wherever possible of the love, light, and power of God. And to do it, he always used this iridescent yellow-white glow. Like, that was his thing. And when he painted the yellow-white glow, he meant to express God's love and power and light are present. Like, so, for example, in The Starry Night, I mean, it's an expression from a guy who really did have a passion for God, struggles aside, to say that God's light and love and power, you, you can see it in the middle of the darkest night, his love, light, and power can still shine, you know? And so that's part of what was in this painting. And, and, and to say God's love and light and power, you, it, can, it can show up anywhere. 
And so down in the village beneath the starry night, like in, in all of the houses, in all of the homes, it was like the light and love and power of God was present and flowing in, in all of those places, even down in the village, everywhere, except the church. And it was like, it was like Van Gogh's trying to say like, yeah, I do believe, I'm passionate about people experiencing the light and the love and the power and the presence of God, but I didn't find it there. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I read about that and I heard about that and I thought, man, that kind of stinks. Like it stinks and who knows, but that all of the torment that Van Gogh is, you know, kind of known for might have been, might have been abated or, or, or ministered to if there would just have been more of the, the love and power and light and fire of God in his church, you know. But for whatever reason, the uh, typical sort of reformed uh, Calvinist churches of his day, it just didn't seem to be much of an opportunity to experience the light, the power, the presence of, of God. Do you know what I'm grateful for? I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful that this church is a church where the love and light and power of God shines brightly. I'm so grateful for that. Don't ever take it for granted. Don't, don't take it for granted. When you find yourself enjoying a, a time in which God is moving in his love and his light and his power among his people, don't ever take it for granted and be cynical about it. Thank him for it. Thank him for it, because the alternative is not so pretty. But you know what I love? I love that in this church, God's, God's love does move powerfully. And so this past week, uh, one, of, one of the uh, prophetic art team members in our church painted a picture that I, I think captures a little bit of what God's heart is for us. And it's this, it's that we would be a church that looks like that. That we would be a church that's on fire with the power and love of God. And, and if you look at this picture that Marcy Rossi painted during worship, during Seek Week, it, the, the church building is not being destroyed. It, it's not about that at all. It's about what that church building symbolizes, as in God's people coming together with a heart of faith and trust and hope in him, and his fire coming, and his fire burning brightly so that there's passion in our hearts that lifts us up and carries us with hope. That's what we're made for. I want to be that kind of church, don't you? I want to be that kind of church, don't you? Do you want to be that kind of church? I do. I hope that we would. And uh, that's what Seek Week was kind of about for us. It's just, in a sense, saying all together, God, we want to be that kind of church. And so this past week uh, was Seek Week. How many of you were here? At least one night of Seek Week. Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, this service wins. You have the most <laughs> Seek Week participants. Anyway, we had a, an amazing week of gathering each night. But you know what was amazing is that uh, each night, the doors opened at about 6.05. The the thing didn't start till 6.30. But what happened was each night, uh, about 6.10, maybe 6.15, all of a sudden up at the front, there's, you know, 50 or 75, maybe 100 people standing together. And before the thing even started, just going, God, we need you. God, we want you. God, would you do something here today? And there was this palpable sense of hunger. And there, there, there was a, a prayer army up front. It reminded me of what I read in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And this is what it says about the early church. It said, they, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
and spoke the word of God boldly. And during Seek Week, I feel like we got a taste of that. Because there was a group of people every night up here going, God, more than anything else, more than some pretty songs and more than a clever sermon, God, we want you. And there was a crying out. There was a praying together. On, on, on Tuesday night in particular, I'll never forget it, there was a group of probably 15 men, fathers in our church, grown men, fathers, just standing in a circle together going, God, it's got to be you. God, we need you. And they prayed. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And I'm telling you, on Tuesday night, the place where they were praying was shaken. And I do believe there's a connection between a willingness to say, God, I'm not going to let this just be about a ceremonial, warm-hearted religiosity. I'm here for you, God. I'm here for the move of your spirit, God. I'm here to see what will happen when the fire of your presence comes, God. I'm here to experience you, Lord. God, I'm crying out to you. Forgive me of my pride. Forgive me of my cynicism. Forgive me of my skepticism. Forgive my sin. God, would you move tonight? And the place where they were meeting was shaken, and everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. I will tell you that throughout Seek Week, in a variety of different ways, it was very clear that there were so many of us experiencing the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know why you wouldn't always want that. I don't know why you would ever want to live apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and it happened. And what that led to was that then the word of God was spoken boldly. Night after night, it was just a boldness. Everybody coming up here boldly declaring the word of God. Trace it back to a willingness to stand and cry out and say, God, I will not be apathetic. Sorry for yelling at you. I don't mean it that way. But I think that sometimes we can settle in for a little bit of passive, apathetic. Oh, is anything impressive going to happen here? But that's not what we were doing during Seek Week. We were saying, God, please, you. And after they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken, and it was a lovely shaking. Yeah. It was a life-giving shaking. It was a wake-up-out-of-your-whatever kind of shaking. It was a, there's so much more for your life kind of a shaking. It was a, there's, there's a destiny that is yet awaiting for you, and you're not going to get there by passively lying down. Come on! It was a shaking that was so full of life, and I'm grateful for it. And uh, throughout Seek Week, there was a bunch of uh, prophetic art that was painted. And I already showed you the uh, church on fire, and I believe it was a prophetic painting declaring what we are meant to be together, a group of people on fire for the presence of God. But uh, when I say prophetic art, let me just explain that a little bit. What we do is we have a team of people that, that are part of our ministry and, and, and trained in the prophetic, but with a gift of painting. And so we set up the, you know, they get to set up their easels on the platform. And while this group is making music on instruments and bringing worship that way, there's a couple of people on the sides with easels and canvases, and they're expressing their worship on this canvas with their paint. And, and it's a prophetic painting. We, we are very deliberate about that. It's not just a, oh, look at that. That's cute. It's a, God, what are you going to say through that? It's prophetic art. And I can't show you all of them, although after service, maybe you could walk around the sides and check out some of them that are still here. But let me just share a few of these with you. Prophetic art. And, and this is what I want to ask you to do. The scripture teaches that whenever there's something prophetic, that we should test it and then hold to what is good. 
And I'm telling you, we've asked that God would speak through this art that was created spontaneously as an act of worship. And I want you to test it and hold to what's good. And if it's prophetic for you, you receive it. Okay, so let me just share a couple of these with you. Uh, the first one uh, I, I would simply call falling free. And I love this one because if you look closely at the woman's face, you might not be able to see it from this distance, but she has an, a look of absolute serenity on her face. There's, it, this is not a scary thing. This is an absolutely serene falling into the glory of God. And it's, it's the ultimate trust fall to finally determine, God, you, your glory is so majestic and wonderful, I can fall right into it and experience the best life has to offer. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful, falling free into the glory of God. If that would be prophetic for you in your life and you want that, would you just say, I receive it? <laughs> I receive it. I receive it. The next one, I'll just call ribcage for obvious reasons. But this one, so Aaron Brown painted this one. He's been a guest artist here, not part of our team, but um, he set up his easel over here. And the first thing he did on the blank canvas was he wrote the word life in nice bold letters. And I was sitting here and I watched him write that life. And I thought, that's good. That's a nice start to a good, like, worshipful painting. Life. I like where this is going. And then he smudged it all out, and it all of a sudden was a skeleton. And I'm going, dude, what's wrong with Aaron? Rough week? You know, like, what's going on? And, and then out of the skeleton, by the end of the night, there were these beautiful flowers emerging. And it was like God was speaking prophetically on that canvas saying, it looks like death, but life will prevail. It looks like death, but life will prevail. I receive it. Again, when you hear something prophetic and you want it to be yours, you just simply say, God, I receive it. Looks like death, but life will prevail. And the next one, uh, I'll call this one glorious song. And I don't know if you can see from the distance, but uh, what's flying up into the sky are these notes of music. And if you looked up close, you'd see that it's gold metallic paint. And it, it's just so captivating and beautiful. And, and as this painting was being painted, I mean, it, it seemed to be happening on one of the nights when the band stopped playing, like, all of the loud sounds. And it was more just our voices just kind of rising up in a simple, heartfelt way. And it was like on the canvas, God was saying, this is, this is glorious to me. Your heartfelt song rising up is glorious to me. It's like God saying, I delight in it. When your glorious song of affection rises up to me, I receive that. And then the next one, uh, I'll call Who Touched Me, for obvious reasons. <laughs> and this one was being painted by Lupe on one of the nights when it just seemed like lots of people were being touched and healed. That was what was taking place that night. There was supernatural healing, praying for healing. And it was like there were a bunch of us that were just going, if I could just grab hold of even the hem of his garment, I believe that his power would flow into me and I would be healed. And I, I, I think it was an invitation. I think it was like a prophetic invitation. Are you weary? Are you in pain? Are you in need of a touch from God? Then just reach out even to the hem of his garment and you will receive power flowing into you from him. I receive it. And I receive it. And then the next one, 
I would call this one the tender lion of Judah. Tracy Meeker painted this one. And we may know that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But don't let the fact that he is called the lion cause you to think that he lacks tenderness because he has the ability to wrap his arms of love around you and give you the comfort that you need when you need it more than anyone ever could. I receive it. I receive that prophetic picture. And then the next one, I'll just call it the foot of the cross. Lynn Donovan was painting this one. I finally saw what, what shape it was taking. I just realized this is a prophetic message in this canvas. And the prophetic message was, if you are carrying guilt and shame over sin in your life, then come to the foot of the cross of Jesus and you will see the nails through his feet, the evidence of what he did to pay the price for you to be free of that guilt and shame once and for all and now and forever. Come to the foot of the cross of Jesus and find freedom in his forgiveness. That was the prophetic message in that one. I receive it. In the next one, I would call the glorious cross. And Lou worked on this one all week, or at least several of the days. And uh, I love it because it's, the cross has all of these colors in it, and some, some of the paints are even iridescent, like it glows with certain lights. And man, I love the cross. I also love what I saw emerging next to the cross. There's this staircase. And it reminded me of the scripture that says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And it was like God was saying, yes, and the only way any of you ever have clean hands and a pure heart is through the cross, and you have them, so come on up. Like, that was the prophetic message, and I receive it. I receive it, that there's a way to live in the glory of God's presence through the cross of Jesus Christ. Could somebody shout, amen? Yeah. Amen. All right, I want you to take a minute now and turn to Psalm 27, and... Uh, We'll just take the remainder of this time to, to dwell on these words <laughs> briefly. But Psalm 27, uh, as you're turning there to Psalm 27, what we did this past week by gathering every single night, and some of you made it at least one night, others of us were here every single night, it, it, we are saying, God, the priority of our lives will be to seek you. And the reason we do that is because we find that that's what God invites us to through his word. And so Psalm 27, uh, I'll ask you to turn there and look to uh, verse 4. It says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling, and he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. I want you to read verse 8 out loud with me from the screen. Ready? Go. Say it. 
My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. I want you to read it again. Say it again. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. When the scripture invites you and I into a resolve like this, there's revelation as to why. And the scripture is here inviting you and I to determine to live with the presence of God is the priority we're going after. And there's a lot of other things that we might want and that may very well be good on this side and on that side. But there's an invitation here to decide to live with such a trust in God that you would be able to say, yes, I have legitimate needs and hopes and desires here and problems here, but my trust, God, is that you've got all of it. You've got all of it. And so I'm going to seek your face. It isn't wrong to ask for God to move by his hand. But there is a higher place, a higher place of trust and confidence in the Lord, where the confidence and trust in the Lord is running at such a deep place that you already know before you have even need to say anything about it that he's got all this. And, and so then you recognize that what you need more than just getting these things sorted out for you is an encounter with him, to seek his face, to seek an encounter with his presence, not just a move of what his power can do for you. This is what we're made for, the priority of seeking his presence. And so I want to bless you in Jesus' name to be the kind of people that would live that way, determined, resolved to say, your face, Lord, I will seek. I will seek your face, Lord, as I'm getting ready to walk into this uh, business meeting where we're going to go over the negotiation deal points. I'm going to seek your face, God, as I'm sitting down to the dinner table with my family members. I'm going to seek your face, God, as I'm heading into this hospital room to tend to this patient. I'm going to seek your face, God, as I'm standing in front of all these little uh, fourth graders because I'm going to seek your face, God, when I'm right about to get into it with that coworker. I'm going to seek your face, God, and every turn, I'm going to seek your face because I know that when I encounter your presence, God, I'm going to be changed. And your power and your love and your light is going to flood into me and flow through me and things are going to change. My heart says of you, your face I will seek. That's what we're made for, to be those kind of people. Now, this past week, Seek Week, we had an amazing journey together, and since more than half of you weren't here, I want to make sure to catch you up on just kind of a sense of what happened and what it was about, because uh, we're one church, and I don't want a bunch of us to feel like we had this amazing thing take place, and another group of us thinking, wow, I had nothing to do with it. So just here's the, the, the summary, briefly. Uh, we built the whole week around testimony, because we recognize that when God moves in our lives, there's power in saying so. 
And so each night, people shared testimonies. Like first night, Brian and Holly shared testimony about, uh, about how God had given him a calling in his life and that he was stepping back into a place of embracing the deep unto deep calling of God in his life and that it was life-giving for him. And then on Tuesday, uh, somebody else shared... Tracy Meeker shared, and she shared about the time in her life when she lost everything, everything, but discovered in losing everything how God really is enough. And then on Wednesday, Sean Anton shared about God's challenge to him to step up generosity and to, and to trust God more by giving generously. And he shared his testimony of, of God bringing his blessing into his life just because he'd been uh, faithful and obedient in generosity. And then on Thursday, uh, Will Atkins shared about his testimony about living in a time in his life where he was in total rebellion to God, but that God allowed him to, to turn and, and ask for forgiveness, and all of his rebellion was just covered and forgiven in an instant. And then Friday, Daryl Daniels shared about a season in his life where uh, two, two or more relatives of his died, and, and it left him with a deep struggle with a spirit of death, but that God delivered him from a spirit of death and set him free. Like, all of these are testimonies of your brothers and sisters who experienced God's breakthrough in their lives. But what it means is that there's possibility for you to receive breakthrough in yours. So we built the week around testimony, but we also uh, received, in a sense, the word of God. And the first night, the word of God seemed to be, choose closeness and intimacy with me. And don't settle for hype. In the second night, the message seemed to be, let the Lord break off from you the spirit of depression. <laughs> I mean, there was a, a whole lot more that was said, but that seemed to be what God was doing and saying through that night. And then the third night, it seemed like the message God was speaking through Aaron was, don't settle for fast food faith. Don't run away from my presence, says the Lord. Like, it was like an invitation to stay and just love God a little better. And then on Thursday night, the, the heart of God through Christina was to come and enjoy the Father's love. And then the last night, uh, Donovan's message was an invitation to maintain a willing spirit. A willing spirit, even though waiting to see God's word come to pass, maintaining a willing spirit while looking to see him fulfill his word. And then uh, Heather wrapped up the night with a commissioning and commissioning us to go tell people about Jesus. And so anyway, it was, it was, it was our church experience together in seeking the Lord. And I hope that as one body, we could hold on to those things and say, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go after it. In the end, what it's about is this, Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Another more familiar translation says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God will take care of those things. And, and so, would you be those people? that would determine, and with a resolve like Psalm 27, and in response to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, to be a seek first the kingdom of God kind of person. 
Because that's where all the good stuff comes. You know, this uh, past week, yesterday actually, I got up in the morning and I wanted to take a shower. Turned on the shower and no water came out. So I tried the sink. No water came out. Went to the downstairs sinks. No water came out. I'm like, oh, no. Right? And, and then I well, checked the, the hot water valve on, on the garage. That was open. It was fine. Checked this other valve that I don't really know what it's for, but it's there in the garage. And that one was on and open. And then I checked the, the main water valve, which in our house is out in the front yard in a box. And that one was on, too. I mean, I was like, I know who did this. I know what happened. Heather Sanford came over to my house and turned off my water in the night. She's my neighbor, and she's threatened to do mischievous things like that before. So <laughs> anyway, it, did, it wasn't. It, it, and then all of a sudden, all of the other neighbors were like coming out of their houses. And we were all like seeking each other out and going, hey, is your water on? And we were seeking each other out. Is your water on? And, and it's, it's, it's amazing how a crisis will really get you seeking. But maybe, maybe some of us also kind of live that way spiritually. And we just don't really pay my, mind to God much at all, except all of a sudden when there's a problem, oh, then we'll start seeking. That is such a low level of life. Come on up. Come on up higher. And be the kind of person who just day in and day out living with that resolve. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Moment by moment, in every way possible. But maybe for somebody today, what you just need to know is that, that God loves you. And, and I don't want to... I don't want to assume that everybody here knows that God is so full of love for you, but you got to hear this. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. And so for a lot of us, uh, we are here and we enjoy the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And it's the crown of our lives to live with his mercy. But for others of us who are here, it just might be true of you that you don't know where you stand with God. And I want you to know that there's a way to be right with God, and it's through putting your trust in Jesus. He's the king of the kingdom, and he makes it possible for you to receive all of the benefits of the kingdom. But, but it's not forced on you. His gift of salvation is offered to you. And when a gift is offered, at some point, somebody got to receive it and say, yes, thank you. <laughs> I've, and the way we do that in response to Jesus is to have a moment once and for all where once and for all we'd say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And that changes everything. And so I want to pray right now for several of us to have an awakening in our spirit that maybe that once and for all moment could happen for us. So would you pray with me? Just take a moment and pray with me. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word and for the power of a life lived with the resolve that says, your face, Lord, I will seek. And God, I pray that uh, for others of us who just need to wake up spiritually, I pray, Lord, right now that the alarm clock would go off and that for somebody, this would be the moment to wake up. And if you're here today and you would say, I don't know where I stand with God. I wish I could be right with God. There's a way. It's through Jesus. He is the way. And his gift of salvation is available. His, his word is that whoever believes in me would not perish. And so... At some point, that's meant to include you, whoever you are. And I'm praying that you would experience an awakening inside right now. And if you want to be free of the guilt and the shame and the emptiness and the shadows, you find life and light in Jesus. Mercy and forgiveness in Jesus.
And maybe the best thing you could ever do is right here and right now, finally wake up and say, Jesus, would you forgive me and save me? And then the relationship begins. So while we're praying together, if you're here today and you would say, that describes me. I need to ask Jesus to forgive me and to save me. I want to know that I'm forgiven and right with God. If that's you and you would say, I need to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life, right now, raise your hands. Just raise it up as a way of saying, I need Jesus to forgive me and save me. Raise it up and keep it up. I want to see you. In the back, sir, I see you. Right over here in the middle, sir, on my right, I see you. Thank you. Who else? I don't want to miss you. Right over here on, on my right in the middle. Thank you, ma'am. I see you. Anyone else? Just raise it up. I don't want to miss you, okay? Several of you have just raised a hand right over here on my left. Thank you. You pray, Niall. You take a minute. You talk to God. In, in this moment, you pray, and you just simply say something like this. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And I want you to say it right after me, out loud. Just say it with me. Say it. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Say it. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I want you who had your hands raised to say it one more time after me. Just say it. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Just say it again. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And you pray something like this. You say, Jesus, I believe that you're alive, and I believe that you paid the price for me when you died on the cross. I'm asking you to come into my life and save me. Forgive me. Be my Lord. Jesus, I'm yours. Just say it to him. Jesus, I'm yours. From this moment on, Jesus, I'm yours. Those of you who had a hand raised, just say it to him. Jesus, I'm yours. Say it with me if you need to. Jesus, I'm yours. From now on, thank you for new life. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. 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 Hey, before you go... I want to just take a moment and share something with you, and it'll just be brief, but this is more on a personal level. Uh, I want to ask you to pray for me, and uh, I, don't, I don't often do this. I think I can count on one hand in 16 years the number of times I, you know, I, I would draw attention to myself in a weird way to say, hey, can you pray for me? But I really do ask you to pray for me. Uh, here's, here's what I'd like to share. I'd like to share with you about... A, a health situation that I'm dealing with. And uh, I'm not going anywhere, but in light of what I'm wrestling with, I need to take a few weeks where I'm not going to preach because I need to deal with health stuff. But long story short, for 25 years, I have struggled with a disease called neurofibromatosis, type 2, NF2. And it's a genetic kind of a disease that means you can't just take medicine and make it go away. Uh, and it, this thing, what it is, is I get uh, tumors that grow in my peripheral nerves throughout my body. And over the years, I've had, you know, five surgeries to take the ones out that I could get to. Um, and other than that, I've always battled with chronic, profound amounts of pain. And by God's grace, he's given me a grace in the spirit to elevate my level of pain acceptance. I mean, at a supernatural level, truly. I live with a lot of pain all the time, and, and I don't complain about it. I just let them give me strength to get through it without narcotics, and so I'm grateful for that, but the, the deal is right now, I'm going through a radiation treatment for around 15 tumors that I have that are the size of a marble, some of them the size of a 25-cent gumball, like that kind of thing, uh, around 15 of these, uh, and the problem is that they're in a very awkward location, like they're kind of like 
you know, like down where the sun don't shine. So, you know, the, the colorectal area of the body. And it's not the kind of place that you ever want to have to stand in front of people and talk about. Like, hey, could you pray for my butt? You know, like, <laughs> just, hey, how's your butt, man? Like, it doesn't, it's weird. But I, I've, I've been dealing with this for a long time, but it, it reached a point, the, the pain, where it's just like something has to go. And um, so radiation treatment's a big deal, and I'm halfway through 26 days in a row of going to receive radiation treatment. I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of the side effects that I thought, oh, no, no, that won't happen to me. It, you know, extreme fatigue and just even elevated pain, and it just, it's kind of making me desperate. <laughs> and so I'm asking you to pray for me for it, because I... I I need God's touch, but can I, can I ask you also three favors? If you would pray for me, three, three favors I'm asking of you. One uh, is, if you could, just like, if you don't mind, like, please don't try to correct my, my theology. You know, like, oh, this is because of all your hidden sins, or your grandfather's hidden sins, or your lack of faith, or all of those things. Like, please, 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 no, no, no. <laughs> like, believe me, I know about all that stuff. I know. I, I don't, it doesn't help at all to hear those things at all. <laughs> Please don't. And then the second thing is, um, I hear me on this, right? I, um, Please don't offer me any uh, medical advice or supplements or oils or whatever. Like, I know it would be nice and, and, and a loving gesture, but I, I really, after 25 years, believe me, I've tried it all. And I've got like remedy fatigue and I don't want you to waste your money. So uh, thanks, but no. <laughs> and, and then the third thing is, um, this will sound a little odd, but uh, I'm sharing this with you, and, and if you could do me a favor, and oddly enough, like, don't ask me how you're doing, because it gets a little exhausting. I, weirdly, it does. I mean, if you've got a whole bunch of people all going, how are you doing? <laughs> like, and then you have to go into that, oh, yeah, let me talk about it again. Like, it's just like, it's not fun. Like, so better for me would be if you could just, if you care, you know, earnestly, you could just say, I'm praying for you. That's all I need to know, and, and I'll appreciate that so much. Um, I, I really do ask you to pray for me. Like it's, I, had, I had a world-class surgeon at the Mayo Clinic, a, a peripheral nerve surgeon, refuse to do surgery because he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be the doctor that leaves you incontinent and impotent for the rest of your life. Like, and when the stakes are that high, it's pretty scary. It's pretty like ugly, you know? And um, so I'm in the middle of this treatment, dealing with a lot of pain, asking for your prayers. And so what I'd like to do right now, if you don't mind, is um, ask you to lay hands on me. And so maybe, Stuart, if you wouldn't mind, like, taking this moment and leading this moment and then tossing to them. But uh, if a few of you, <laughs> if you're going through something and you need someone to pray for you, you could come join me up here. But otherwise, I'm asking some of you to just lay hands on me and pray for me. Oh, Father God. Holy Spirit, we just invite you, Father. Father, once in a generation, a leader rises up, Father, to crush the darkness, Father. You are rising up, a leader, Holy Spirit, to break open and renew the land, Father. Father, we're asking for the intensity and the power of the Holy Spirit to be the number one thing, Father. We're asking for an amplification, Father, for clarity and covering over Pastor John's mind, Father, over everything that he's going through in this season, Father. We break off anything that is hurting his, his family, Father. Father, would your spirit be the only thing he can think about, Father? Would a generation rise up, Father, out of this, Father, to renew the land, Father God? 
Would you break open this, this land, this valley, this, this kingdom of darkness be broken, Father? Father, we're asking that this man of God, like you did with Elijah, Father, against Ahab, Father, like you did with a Josiah, Father, that tore down the Asherah paths, Father, with the anointing increase, Father, with the anointing increase all over his head, from the top of his head to the tips of his toes, Father, increase this power on the man, Father. Increase and rise up, warrior, so the kingdom of heaven goes forth across the land, Father, and many, many souls come to know your, your goodness and your love and your joy and your freedom, Father. We stand with him, united in the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, for the blood that is being poured out. Father, cover him, cover him, cover him in the presence and the power of your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you're cutting away and breaking the power of darkness, Father. We thank you for a willing soul that says yes, says yes to you, Jesus, and only you, Jesus. We thank you for the breaking, and we thank you for the outpouring, the anointing of intimacy and love and joy and peace and goodness. We thank you for the angelic that surrounds him and his family, Father. We ask for more angels, Father, would come and strengthen him, Father. Strengthen him, Father. We want more of you, Holy Spirit, more of you in this valley, more of you in the body. Restore the land, Holy Spirit. Restore creation, Holy Spirit. Come in power. We thank you for what you're doing. Break it open, Holy Spirit, in this season. Give him peace on his mind, peace on his body. The new things are coming. New days are dawning. Life and life abundantly is coming, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit for this season that is coming. We thank you for the outpouring of your spirit, Lord. We thank you that this is what Pastor John cares about more than anything. We receive your blessing and we cover you and stand with him in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Yes, Jesus, we trust in you. We believe that you are the ultimate physician. We trust, God, that your ways are true and that you are holy, Jesus. And there's no one like you, Father God. So as we go from this place, Lord, let us remember that you call us sons and daughters, and that we trust in you, Jesus. We love you and all God's people said. Amen. Amen and amen.